Good afternoon, church. Uh, today we are going to be looking at Psalms 119. I'm just going to read the first eight verses and we're going to jump into the word. Psalms 119. Verse 1 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, all that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an up upright heart. When I learn of your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. You gift us every new day, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for your amazing grace. Heavenly Father, as I share this word, let it not just be a transfer of knowledge, but let it touch hearts, lives changed, Heavenly Father. We give the rest of the time over to you, in Jesus' name. Um, a recent study was uh, conducted by uh, a center that deals with uh, biblical studies and scriptural studies. And they surveyed uh, 40,000 people uh, about the effect of reading your Bible. And they, they did the study and they, they show that if you're reading your Bible once or twice a week, they said there's very negligible uh, difference in key area of your lives. Uh, if you read your Bible three times a week, there are like small effects, but they saw a spike. If you read your Bible four times a week, different things happen in key areas of your life. Uh, what they found is feeling of loneliness decreased 30%. Uh, anger issues decreased 32%. Uh, bitterness in relationships, marriage, family, friends decreased by 40%. And especially feeling spiritually stagnant decreased 60%. Uh, on the increased side, uh, people's propensity to share their faith increased 200%, while discipling others increased 230%. And they, they saw this at, at four times a week, just by reading your Bible, not studying, not doing anything else, but just reading the Bible. So I'm not saying that four is, is the magic number, it's just a, a study, but I want everyone to know and appreciate the value of reading the word in our Christian walk. Uh, Psalms 119 talks about the love of the law, the love of the word of God. And this, when we consider that this writer did not have uh, a complete Bible, but he had bits and pieces of the Old Testament, probably the law and some few books, we can appreciate his love for the word of God. Christians today have the full Bible, but how many of us appreciate and value our Bible and uh, read it morning and evening and meditate upon it? How many of us uh, ignore the Old Testament? Uh, J. John once said, uh, when you go to heaven and meet Obadiah, he's going to ask you if you read his book, how you found his book, and he's going to say, who's Obadiah? 
So let's not let's not uh, let's be nice to Obadiah and read Old Testament scriptures. His love for the scriptures as you go through Psalms 119 puts believers today to shame. He loves the word. He meditates on it. But we are having not only uh, full Bibles, but different resources to help us with our study of our Bible at the click of our fingers. Yet how many of us ignore it? So today we'll be talking about how vital the loving of the law is for our inner spiritual life of God's children. Uh, just to give a little background of Psalms 119, it's the longest psalm in the book of Psalms and also the longest chapter in the whole Bible. It's composed of 22 uh, stanzas of eight verses each. So it's a song with eight verses each and 22 stanzas. There are 22 alphabets in the uh, Jewish alphabet where it starts Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, and it just continues all 22 of them. So 22 times eight, that's why it has 176 uh, verses. Uh, also an interesting fact that during the uh, Feast of Pentecost, which celebrates, it's 50 days after the Passover, which celebrates the receiving of the law, of Moses, uh, the law for Moses in the Mount of Sinai, they recite that uh, during that holiday, Psalms 119. And surprisingly, I found this out during the Amharic service when Kes Deraji came to close. He said, today is, uh, according to the Jewish calendar, May 28th is the Feast of Pentecost. And so I think we are, we are in the right vein. Uh, except four verses, all 172 verses of the verses in Psalms 119 con contain alterations of the word, the law of God or the word of God. They are one law, two testimonies, three precepts, four statutes, five commandments, six judgments, seven word and eight ordinances. So in eight of these variations, the word of God is found on every single verse except four verses. Uh, the author is unknown. If you did not know, the whole of the Psalms of David was not written by David, although most of it was written. Um, this was written after the Babylonian exile. So it could have been Daniel, Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, Jeremiah, or just uh, an unknown Levite uh, from the Babylonian captivity. If I've given this background, I want to uh, establish something before going into the verses. As New Testament believers, we uh, don't have much affinity with the Old Testament and with the law. Uh, sometimes not even with the Word of God as a whole. We may have our uh, favorite Psalms, but sometimes we say, you know, the law is a yoke. Uh, pointing to Acts 15. But this psalmist said that he found freedom through the law. We say uh, to pay attention to the law is to move into the shadows. But this psalmist says, your lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's my light. Uh, we say by law there's knowledge of sin. But the psalmist says, I found victory over sin by your law. Uh, we say law and grace are opposi in opposition, but the psalmist says that 
the law enabled God's graciousness or his grace to come into his life. Uh, we say the law kills, uh, uh, citing Romans 7, 9. But it says that the psalmist found new life in the law. So this goes along the same uh, understanding of the law that Paul and New Testament apostles had. So he's not, because he's in the Old Testament, that he found the law to be fascinating. Paul himself found the law to be fascinating. Romans 7, starting from verse 12, says, So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through that commandments might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. What Paul is saying is that there is no problem with the law. The law is righteous. The law is good. The law is perfect. The law shows the character of God. The problem is with me. I am the sinner. And when I am exposed to the law, my sinfulness comes out. But the law in itself is perfect. Um, how we use the law may be a, a, a way that we need to look at. Let me talk about three different types of people. Uh, the first is unbelievers. When unbelievers encounter the law, it brings judgment upon them. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the ministry of Ray Comfort. He's an evangelist from New Zealand. He's very popular uh, on uh, Christian TV. So his ministry is he goes out into the street, he goes to the beach, and he asks random strangers with a camera and a microphone. And he says, do you think you're a good person? And they say, yes, I think I'm a good person. Okay, he says, have you ever lied? And they say, yes. Have you ever used the, uh, God's name in vain? And they say, yes. Uh, have you ever committed adultery? Jesus said that whoever looks at a woman and lusts has committed uh, adultery. Have you ever watched pornography? And they say, yes. And they say, have you ever killed anyone? Uh, Jesus says that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And they say, yes. And he says, by your own admission, you are guilty of trespassing God's law. Therefore, you deserve punishment when judgment day comes or when you die. And some people oppose him, but a lot of people break down in tears and they say, what must I do? And then he comes in with the good news of the gospel and he says, you have a finished work that the Lord has done. If you believe in that, then you will be saved. He, he paid the price for sin on the cross for you. And through that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, many people are saved. So the use of the law to the unbeliever is to bring them to repentance into salvation. The second type of person is the legalist. The legalist, it's all about himself. What he has done, you guys remember the older brother uh, in the story of the prodigal son. And he said, you know, uh, all that I've done and you haven't done anything for me. It's all about what I did, what's done for me. It's a pure exchange. So the problem with people uh, who are legalists or Christians who are legalists is that they're always expecting something in return for what they do. They are judgmental of other people. And if they fall in sin, then 
they become highly condemned because they are seeing everything in the lens of the law but for the third i want to speak to you from the third point of view is the spiritually minded believer who has their foundations on the finished work of christ we are saved 100% righteous not by our own works not by what we did but through the finished work of jesus christ nothing added to it we are saved and we become children of god on that foundation when we accept the lord jesus christ as our personal savior we are 100% righteous but the process of sanctification the process of being holy in our character is a lifelong process that process requires the use of the law so when we use it in that way then we are using it in the right way colossians uh Uh, chapter 3 verse 3 this is le- the letter of paul to the colossian church uh and paul as you know is the foremost uh, uh proponent for salvation by grace and not by law he said in colossians 3 chapter 3 for you have died and your life is hidden with christ in god fantastic When Christ who is your life appears then you will appear with him in glory also in the future we are to be glorified but the next verse verse 5 says put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire covetousness which is idolatry but he just said that i am my life is hidden in Christ that i am going into glory and then in the next verse it tells me to put to death sexual immorality what does that mean paul is saying this is where you are this is your life you have been fully accepted but now your response in love is to walk in holiness and you do that through the law romans 6 also talks about this it says that sin has no dominion over you if we stop there then we we're saying okay sin has no dominion over me but our life there might be sin but he said that sin has no control over you you have the power of the spirit to overcome it but you use the law to walk in that so we need to be able to understand that yes we have entered as and that is where we live there is where that, that's where we give thanks and that's where our established foundation of where we live is fully accepted in Christ but there is a call of love a response of love that is expected from us the law is what empowers or fuels our walk to sanctification the law is what fuels our holiness Uh, James uh in verse uh, chapter 1 starting from verse 22 says but be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving yourselves for en- if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror for he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty the law of liberty not of bondage the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer 
who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing so what what is he saying the law the job of the law is to serve as a mirror for you so that you can look into the mirror and fix yourself fix and what do we do when we uh, get up in the morning and we look at our uh, face in the mirror and we fix something right the repentance is a spiritual discipline it's not for sinners but it's for devoted dedicated christians whenever we read the bible and we encounter a new truth a truth that we have never seen before what do we do oh i did not know that i did not live my life in this way but now the law of the lord has revealed that to me as a mirror therefore i will repent and correct that that is a walk of sanctification So um John 14:15 Jesus said if you love me keep my commandments so though we are saved by grace through faith we are also called to a life of obedience to God as a response of God's love and grace So we see the psalmist here uh in different verses throughout the the psalm the word of God performs many ministries to the devoted believer uh it keeps us clean it gives us joy it guides us it establishes our values it helps us to pray effectively uh it gives us hope it gives us peace it gives us freedom it brings the right people into our life it gives us our purpose and helps us fulfill our purpose and it strengthens us to witness to others when we are down and out it will revive us and put us back on our feet so as you read and study psalms 119 you will see the writer with a variety of experiences but one thing remains the same his devotion to the law his devotion to the word of god so loving the law is vital for the inner spiritual life of god's children because it will fuel our obedience to god from a position of acceptance amen Uh so let me let me go through uh the the eight verses. Uh verse 1 and 2 says blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with their whole heart. How can we receive God's blessing? It's not by confessing and while we are doing something wrong but it is by being blameless before the lord obedient to the law and a whole heart relationship with him uh some of these terms law statutes ordinances kind of reminds us of uh, colossians 2 and kind of uh to go to uh, uh condemnation or judgment but the bible tells us that jesus has borne the curse for us so when we encounter uh the word of god it is so that we can use it as a learning platform not as a condemnation we look at it from that lens and from that attitude blameless does not mean sinless only jesus was sinless when he walked on this earth but blameless means wholehearted devotion to the lord with sincerity and integrity so being a person of integrity integrity means comes from the word integral which means oneness so it means that our motives desires of our hearts as well as our outward actions are 
integrated. So walking in integrity is walking in these two things. In the Old Testament, the requirement was fulfilling the law. It was the outward that was required. But Jesus came and took it a little further. He said that the motives of your heart also have to be in line with that. So what the word does is it goes into the bones and the marrows and the joints. And it works on our motives as well. Amen. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, 2 and 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. The, the word burdensome means unable to carry, very difficult. So God has not given us a law to fulfill that is burdensome above our capacity. But he's saying that, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it costs us something. Something worth having costs something. So the blessing that come to us in different aspects of our lives, not just material, costs something. But and so fulfilling the laws requires a striving and requires doing something that is difficult. But he's saying they're not burdensome. They're not impossible. He did not overload us with something that we cannot carry. But he said that the grace is provided for us to fulfill that. So loving the law is vital for our inner spiritual life of God's children because it makes us blameless before the Lord. Verse 3 and 4 says, Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Uh, so wickedness is not defined as not doing a right or wrong, but here the way he defines it is not following in the ways of God. So God's ways or in the ways that God walks is what we are to imitate. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are to imitate Jesus and how he walked. So the psalmist passionately desired to obey uh, God's word so that through his word, we say that the word is the character or the law is the character of God. So if we understand the law and understand who God is through his law, then we are able to imitate him in the right way. We know how. And it's easy. he adds the word diligently or to obey him well, to obey him as he requires. So loving the law is vital for our inner spiritual life because it allows us how to know how to imitate God. Verse 5 says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. This is like more like a wish or something that kind of a, a, an act of commitment. Something that says that I want to achieve that. I have that hunger to achieve that. So it starts from there. God enables us. He gives us the grace to follow through. But we have to have the hunger to be able to strive. Some people say that it is finished. The work is finished. I'm done. All I'm going to do is just praise him and just, you know, live, live, live however. But no, there's a striving that's required. Uh, Paul says in uh, Philippians 
3, starting from verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, yes, I have received everything. My life is hidden in Christ, but I'm not comfortable there because of so much that God has done for me. I strive to to fulfill my purpose, to the calling that God has given me. My love to him is expressed through striving towards that. So loving the law is vital for our inner spiritual life because it empowers us to stay on course. A decision is required. A decision is needed. Verse 6 says, Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Shame is the negative counterpart of blessing. So a blessing does not just mean prosperity or um, good health, but blessing can also, it can also have a social aspect, right? When you are loved and accepted by others, it is a blessing. If you swindle people of their money, you will be put to shame. If you do not obey uh, or walk in integrity, if your word and your actions do not match, you'll be put to shame. So he says, using uh, uh, your word helps me not to be shamed. It protects me from being shamed in living in that community. So loving the law is vital for the inner spiritual life, for our inner spiritual life, because it protects us from shame. Uh, verse seven says, "I will praise you. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules." I like how it says in the New Living Translation, where it says, "As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should." He says that my worship to you is right living. Not, not, it's great to come on Sunday and worship, but there's also another worship that's required from us from Monday to Monday. That's what we've been saying in Africa Rise, right? Church starts on Monday. So, um, so what the psalmist is saying is that... Uh, when, I, when he learns his righteous rules, that becomes a fuel or an, it's the attitude of worship then becomes towards living out that life. But he also says learn. He does not, when you look throughout the whole uh, uh, chapter of Psalms 119, he has an attitude to learn. He doesn't come with an attitude of, you know, I've got this, I know this, I've, I've been through this. When we even approach the word of God, we should not come with an attitude that says, oh, I know this scripture, I know this section. No, the, the, it says that uh, these words are spirits, 
right? These, these words are alive. So every time we encounter the law, something pops out because these words are spirit. Uh, 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 John uh, 6, 6.63, when it says, he's not talking about just the New Testament is life. No, the Old Testament, the whole, the entire counsel of the word of God is spirit and life. So loving the law is vital for our inner spiritual life of God's children because it motivates us to give thanks. And the last verse 8 says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Um, this concept of forsaking, uh, I'm thinking uh, it may be a concept like uh, the prayer in Psalms 51 where it says, do not take your spirit from me. Maybe it's an Old Testament a prayer. But nonetheless, because uh, Hebrews 13 tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, but earlier in the study, we, we saw that one of the issues of the people who do not read their Bible, we said, was spiritual stagnation, right? If we do not read our Bible, if we don't pray, if we have no engagement with uh, uh, the Lord, then our spiritual life starts to stagnate. So when you draw far from him... He's always there waiting for you, but you need to come and draw from him. So loving the law is vital for inner spiritual life because it protects us from spiritual stagnation. So seeking God means more than just reading our Bible, more than just studying our Bible, but it means just delving and hearing from the word of God as we encounter him. It's having the hunger uh, 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 for the word of God. The, the life of the believer is a series of new beginnings. So we keep on delving into the law. And when we see something, we repent and we get up and we keep going. And we just, all he requires from us is a wholehearted devotion to his word and to his law. There was uh, uh, one guy who worked at Elpa, the uh, local power company. He went to China for a training and uh, uh, he was one of those injera lovers. You know those people uh, where if you are here, wave to me. If, if it's pasta for dinner, they have to go into the kitchen and have a little bit more injera just to satisfy that. He's that he was that kind of guy. Goes to China. Couldn't find any injera. Nine months, he was eating rice. Nothing but rice. And then um, after nine months, he comes back. The moment he landed from the airport, went straight to Katenya, had himself some injera. Second day, had himself some more injera. Third day, had some more injera. But on the fourth day, you know what he started craving? Rice. He said, where's the Chinese food place in this? What happened is that through, at the beginning, it was a struggle for him to eat that food, but he had no choice. So day after day after day, he kept eating that food until he developed an appetite for it. It's the same way with the word of God. Maybe you struggle to read. Maybe you struggle to study your word, but just keep doing it. Keep pushing through. Keep doing it. Then day after day after day, then that appetite starts to build. That appetite starts to build to the point that you get tired of your TikTok and your Instagram reels. 
on the on the other hand uh getting addicted to tiktok and uh, instagram reels it's like uh sugar high where you're continuously having cake every single day uh, you know all those cake lovers if you can join me <laughs> if you keep eating sweets at the same time that craving kicks in that that that, that. so let's change that let's change that let's intentionally make a decision Amma was saying throughout this prayer and fasting he says make a decision make a decision to go through that hard time and then you'll fall in love with the word you'll fall in love with God's law and you will move forward God bless you